Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the world of food, and you're going to love this new brand called Moku. It is plant-based jerky, and let me just tell you, it looks amazing, and I can't wait to learn all about it from my new friend, Matt Feldman, who is on the podcast today. Matt, it's so great to have you on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Justin. Dude, it's so great meeting you. Um, I, I love that you live in Hawaii. Like when I saw that, I was very jealous. And and I know I know COVID has made meant that you've had to be back and forth between mainland and, and Hawaii. But anyway, love Hawaii. Um, hey, so I love your background. Really, really cool. Forbes thirty under thirty. Um, and I I can't even wait to unpack like how you even got into this space. So I was doing my homework on you, and I saw. I mean, you were a business guy, right? I think you're in an account executive role, and then you decided to start this company. So Tell us your path and how you decided to get the business started. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just take it from the very beginning. So growing up in Hawaii, I always really cared about the environment and how our individual choices impacted both the island and and the planet in general. So from an early age, I had that entrepreneurial spirit. And I knew that once I did start a business, I wanted to incorporate sustainability in there. Um, but fast forward, you know, went to college in New York City, studied finance, played basketball out there. Wow. And then, awesome. yeah. And then while I was in my senior year, um, I started a real estate service for students in Manhattan to find affordable apartments. And I started that with uh, two of my teammates on the basketball team. And that kind of started the entrepreneurial journey for me. We Very had our cool. own business, you know, we we're, were making good money for college students and um, but I quickly realized that, you know, while it was pretty successful, I, real estate re- wasn't really for me, especially in New York. So after nice. that, I, yeah. <laughs> I ended up uh, moving to Silicon Valley to take a job in tech. And I think like what I learned, you know, going to a business school was that even if you want to start your own company, it makes a lot of sense to, you know, start working for a company first to learn basic skills and also to save up money for when you do want to start a company, you have some <laughs> sure. capital to support it. You <laughs> so know? true. So true. Yeah. So you had your own business, which just like kind of got into the entrepreneurship space. You had a, like a flavor, a taste of it. And then you went to work for, a, a, I guess, a bigger company. And then how did you decide to, to make the jump from there to start Moku Foods? Yeah. So I was at uh, a company called Bloomreach in, uh, in Mountain View, California. We sold enterprise e-commerce software to large online retailers. And, you know, it was learned a lot, you know, being in the tech space, you have great perks, great money, but I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. And in 2017, I think close to 2018, end of 2017, I, I, uh, watched two documentaries on Netflix, one called <laughs> Cowspiracy and oh one called God. What the Health. Interesting. I, pretty, I haven't seen either. Yeah, but I-, <laughs> yeah I was, I was blown away. You know, I've, I've always eat, eaten a pretty clean diet, but you know, just learning about the effect that plant-based foods has on your diet and also the planet. I was like, you know what, let me give this a try for two weeks and just see how I feel. So around, you know, probably end of 2017, I did that and, you know, went vegan for two weeks, felt great. But I was like, man, I I really miss, you know, the taste of meat still. And let me see if there's anything out there that, you know, is an alternative that I can snack on. And I couldn't find anything that I liked. 
So I was like, what the heck? I'll just make it myself. So <laughs> why not? <right>? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'd always loved mushrooms and, and from just doing my research, I, I learned how sustainable they were to gr- to grow. And then also if you cook them in the right way, they can really taste like meat. Um, so that's kind of how I, you know, figured out to use mushrooms first. Um, and I really just, you know, bought some mushrooms from the store, created my own marinade from a YouTube video, and then bought a dehydrator and just got Love to work. That. Wow. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Um, so you decide it's mushrooms, they taste pretty good, and you, you got some different maybe mixes happening at home. Uh, when did you decide, okay, this is cool for me, but maybe other people might like it as well? Yeah. So at the time I actually started a vegan meetup in San Francisco just to (laughs) meet other vegans and learn about it and educate people. And I had everyone bring a snack there. So for my snack, I brought mushroom jerky and people really liked it. So from there I was like, Hmm. all right, you know, vegans like it. It's not the the toughest crowd to please, to be honest. But I was like, if if this many people like it, I might as well give this a shot. And the first thing I did after that was you know, start networking. So I reached out on LinkedIn to as many founders. I was living in the Bay Area. So there's a good amount of food and beverage founders out there. So I just started reaching out to people and setting up coffee dates and just picking people's brains. And I eventually got in touch with a guy named Thomas Bowman, who was the head of product development at Just. And if you're not familiar with Just, they make um, a plant-based egg and a plant-based mayo. And they're also working on lab-based meat. But, um, I, you know, had lunch with this guy, Thomas, and I was actually picking his brain on formulation companies that I can work with to take my kitchen recipe and to the next level, you know, to create a commercially viable product. And he was like, Hey man, I'm actually leaving just, and I'll have about six months to, to work on a project like this. And I I think your product's great, but I can probably take it to the next level. So wow, it was a a very fortuitous meetup. Yeah. That's now did I have to say like when you reached out, did, did you get everybody, was everyone responsive or did you find a hit or miss? Like what was that experience like? So luckily for me, my sister is a career coach and (laughs) she's written, she's written books on how to get people's attention, especially in the professional world. Sure. So I had a lot of tips on how to message people on LinkedIn, really just to set up that first 10 minute meeting. Right. And that's really it what it's just, all about. Hey, I'd like to meet with you or I see you're part of my network or one of my friends knows you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. more like, hey, I'm I'm about to start a food business. I love what you do at XYZ company. I, you know, I tried your latest product and, and really enjoyed this, this, and this. Would you have 10 minutes to you know, for me to pick your brain on a call or over coffee? Wow. And everyone wants to help you know, early entrepreneurs, sure. especially younger people. Like if, if you, people are doing this in college, you know, everyone will want to meet with them. Uh, I wasn't in college, but you know, I encourage yeah. college students to do this for internships. But anyway, I think people um, naturally yeah. want to help, right? They want to be part yeah. of something, you know? And I think most people, I think most of the founders that actually saw the message were willing to meet and had time, but you know, it's also hard to get in touch with people over LinkedIn. Not everyone totally. sees all the messages. So. That's so true. So you, you had a fortuitous connection. What was he able to help you with? Like, what were the things he accelerated for you? So I don't have much culinary experience. And Thomas Bowman is used to be a Michelin chef, product developer, food scientist. So he was really able to understand the ingredient pairing pairings and create a meat-like taste from mushrooms and other clean label plant-based ingredients 
Got it. And it really just blew my mind. Like I, I thought like, you know, mixing things together (laughs) and just kind of testing and testing, eventually you would get it. But he just had so much knowledge around what, you know, how to cook mushrooms to get them to taste like meat. That's my question, right? If you don't know that, like, how do you figure that out? Right. Yeah. I guess through, through many uh, years of experience is, is one way. So uh, luckily, you know, I was able to partner up with Thomas and I spent six months with him, you know, in the kitchen working on this product. And, and basically after six months, we had what looked like and tasted like bacon. It was like, it wasn't Ooh. even jerky. It was like a bacon strip basically. Yeah. That's and, what it kind of, your product looks a little bit like that. Yeah. We yep. ended up um, making changes so that it was more bite-sized pieces and can fit in a bag easier. But our original product was a bacon and it tasted unbelievable, almost indistinguishable <laughs> from meat, wow. even though that's coming from a vegan. <laughs> right. But, um, and, and I'll just kind of go into how it all started after that. So once I had that product, I was actually listening to a podcast called the Food Startups Podcast. Very and cool. I heard a guy named Steven Vigilante who, who worked at a company called Chef and then was also in the venture world at a company called Circle Up. And I was just kind of blown away how experienced and knowledgeable he was around the food industry. And the same way I did with the other founders and, and, and Thomas, I reached out to him on LinkedIn ended up setting up a call with him, ended up meeting with him in person to try the jerky. And he was blown away. He's like, wow, wow this is, this is the, by far the best plant-based jerky I've had, or even like plant-based meat snack. Um, I would love to come on, you know, and help you out. So I brought wow, him on as an advisor yep. and then he just opened up his entire network to me. So wow. I got in touch with the Thrive Market founders, the founder of Casper Mattresses, one of the founders of Soylent, And I sampled it out to all these people, you know, flew out and met with them. And they were, you know, the first investors in the company. So early on, we had all these successful founders that invested. And I think that gave me a leg up when I initially, when I eventually uh, raised venture capital. Yeah, I saw, I mean, uh, 30 under 30, I read your article. uh, You'd raised more than a million dollars from venture firms. Unbelievable. Um, So cool that you, so these connections helped accelerate what was an idea into product and then even better product. So at what point did you start getting it into market for sale? Was it in that process that it was already starting to be sold? Or what did that look like in terms of getting the first product out? So I thought it would be one of those, you know, processes where we had the product formulation done and now we would just, you know, find a co-packer and start producing. Right. And I was <laughs> I was dead wrong. Like oh, I, I guess for plant based plant based meat companies, it's just another you know, there's no precedent in, in how you know, uh, co-packers make this product. So sure. we ran into so many issues trying to scale this because we, you know, in, in the beginning, we tried to make it out of a commercial kitchen and it just, it just wasn't, wasn't efficient enough. So then we went, you know, looking for co-packers and most of the meat jerky co-packers didn't want to work with a plant-based company. They didn't, you know, they didn't want that liability and, and, you know, cross-contamination with meat and plant-based. Sure. But, you know, after, you know, some failures at co-packers, we eventually landed on one that was interested in the plant-based space and, and willing to invest in, you know, this opportunity with us, not from a, a monetary perspective, but just, you know, the time and energy to bring a client like us on. Right. Yep. And then from there, you know, it took it took 15 months of testing and trials at this co-packer. 15 months. Wow. And that's probably pretty fast, right? I mean, it just takes time. Did you think it, it would be faster? Time, yeah. I mean, you know, like, was your perception it would be done much quicker? Or I don't know. What, what was that like to be in that situation? Yeah, no, I did. 
I think once Thomas finished the formulation in right. 2019, it's I thought like we would be launched. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I was like, all right, let's 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 make 10,000 bags now. But right. oh you know, I think the biggest lesson I learned early on was that making a product out of a kitchen or developing a product is completely different than developing it for scale. That's fair, and and no doubt. So once you got through the and and I'm sure there's a lot of trial and error with the co-packer and getting it to where it was not only the right mix of product but then packaging right so but at, at that point where you are did you already have the three flavors i know you have like what is that three right now right the sweet and sour the original the hawaiian teriyaki right did, or did you go out with just one initially so uh thomas formulated all three products so all three flavors um we we tried to think of three you know unique flavors you know one that at least tied to the to hawaii and yep and another one that was spicy. So, just I, know, give... I said sweet and sour, sweet and spicy. Sorry. And oh, I, I like you're spicy. Good. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I mean, we didn't put too much time into thinking about the flavors, really just ones that, you know, people were already eating. So teriyaki was already, sure. you know, a popular flavor, original, and then, you know, something a little different and sweet and spicy. Yep. That's great. And then um, what was the original sales process? Was it your website? Did you have other retail outlets? Was it shows? Like, what did that look like at first? Yeah. So we're, we're only three months old. So we launched in December, 2020 Yep. and we launched on our website, mokufoods.com. And that was our primary, pr- primary channel for the first two months. And then we recently launched out of Amazon's emerging brands program That's as awesome. one of a few food brands in that, uh, program. So that launched in, in mid February. That's um, awesome. So right now we're, we're only available on those two channels. And so, okay. So when you get product out, how about social? What does that look like? How are you building brand awareness and, and whatnot? Yeah. So when we launched a couple of weeks before launch, we launched our social media. We were, we were keeping it very under the radar up until about three weeks before launch. So we launched our social media. Uh, we have a great full-time social media and des- person and designer that designed everything for us. She's awesome very fortunate to have her on board but um yeah and uh we you know we worked with a lot of influencers out of the gate so we had about a hundred whether it was friends or friends of friends we got these micro and macro influencers product before our launch so that in our first week of launch like there was a lot of talking about it totally exactly yeah that is so exciting um and so what's been the early feedback what have what have you seen so far what have you learned in just the early days Yeah. You know, we never wanted to be a company just for vegans. And even though I myself am vegan, we want to target the flexitarians. And those are people that... Flexitarians. I like that. Yeah. It's it's a term (laughs) used to describe people that eat meat, but are conscious about what they put in their body, whether it's for health or or sustainability reasons. So those are the people that we want want to target and and not just vegans. Uh, um, So the feedback early on has been awesome. Like a lot of people are saying... You know, I'm not vegan, but this is my favorite savory snack. There's wow. not a lot of good savory snacks out there right. aside totally from, agree. you know, nuts and popcorn right. <laughs> and especially ones that are nutrient dense. So it's right. just becoming a, a very popular savory snack for people as opposed to a good vegan jerky. So how, how did you, or how have you been managing inventory? Did you already plan to make a certain number of each of the flavors or did you, you know, what did that look like in terms of planning for the launch? Yeah. In the beginning, we just did very small production runs just to get off the ground. And we have our, my co-founder, Melissa, 
actually founded her own outsourced operations firm. So we utilized their team to kind of manage all of the production and, and co-packing um, uh, details. But, you know, as, as we're growing, we, we uh, do larger production runs over time because, sure. you know, for a product like ours, there's a lot of different steps to make the process more efficient. And, you know, as we grow for, with larger demand and more capital, eventually then we'll implement, you know, more automated processes and larger machinery and things like that. But with, with plant-based meats, like there's no set defined way to do it. So you kind of have to start small and then over time, you know, optimize your process. And then does, what's the shelf life on the product? It's our shelf life is 10 months. Oh, it's wow. That's most great. likely longer, longer but than I just to be, yep. yeah, we're, we're doing a, a shelf life test right now. Um, and it'll probably be a year, but just, just to be more conservative, conservative. Say 10 oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, that's it's so exciting to, especially on the early side of, you know, getting this launched and now have you started or, and have your advisors started to think about retail and, and maybe retail channels in addition to the direct to consumer channel? Yeah. I mean, we have retailers hitting us up every day, but there's so much demand right now on our on our <laughs> website and Amazon. <laughs> we honestly we honestly are just trying to keep up with demand. Wow. Um, especially <laughs> launching on Amazon, like it's right. just a beast of its own. So, yes. You know, retail will always be there. And <laughs> what I've learned from other founders is that it's not hard to get into retail, but it's hard to stay in retail and do well in retail. So, so the way true. we're looking at it is like, let's optimize our direct to consumer experience this year. So that's our website, that's Amazon, that's Thrive Market, that's any other online channels we, we yeah. launch in. And then, you know, we'll get ready for retail, build the foundation, but probably not launch, you know, in a large way until 2022. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I was looking at not only your site, but on Amazon. I mean, you almost have five stars with 90 ratings. I mean, that's huge. And you, you got Amazon's choice, which is really great for your product. Um, dude, that's yeah, we awesome. Just gotta, we just got to replenish it. That. We, every time we send in product, it, it sells out. So <laughs> right. that's our using, biggest focus right now. And you're using Fulfilled by Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah. For correct. distribution. That's great. Um, well, very, very cool. Gosh, so exciting. Okay. So I always love to ask our founders, like, you know, big, it's, it's, and I know you're just off the ground for a couple months, but it's been a couple years of working on this. So mm-hmm. as you're, if you were talking to other entrepreneurs, like those that are listening, you know, what would be two or three pieces of advice you'd offer them, you know, as they're thinking about their own brands, products, packages, like companies, what would, what would be some things you would share? I would say one, you know, bring on a co-founder or two. That would be my biggest piece of advice because, you know, when I started Moku, I did it by myself. I eventually brought a co-founder on, which was, you know, very helpful, but there's just so much time and energy um, spent in the beginning, especially, and you're always going to spend a lot of time on your brand, but having other people's shoulders to diversify the, you know, the, the downfalls of your business, especially, um, it's just, I think it's just healthy for, you know, our headspace because, you know, early on, it's like, it's like a wave, it's just up and down, you know, you hear good news and bad news, and it's a lot to take on mentally. And I think not only to, you know, you know, space out the time, you know, having a co-founder or two that complement your skill set, I think is a very good investment in your time so that you can get more done in a shorter amount of time. But I think more importantly, it's just like being able to being able to event to someone that is going through the same thing as you, sure. I think is just so important. So no doubt. I would probably never start a company again by myself. Hmm. And I, you know, I encourage other founders to 
it, and you don't want to rush into a co-founder either because you definitely want the best fit. But That's what I was just going to ask. It's you got to yeah. have that right person, right? You almost got to like set out for it and, and, and wait till it comes or because you can't just go out and find someone because it might be too rushed and not be the right fit. But hmm. I just think, you know, for founders to keep that in mind, it, it is very difficult to start a company yourself. Obviously, there's advantages to it. You know, you you get to retain the majority of the equity. Um, you get to make decisions by yourself. But especially for someone like me, I, I didn't know anything about the food industry. So all of my all of my uh, actions were educated guesses, right? So having someone to bounce ideas off of and tell me I'm crazy was actually very helpful at times. Right. Um, so it's just something I recommend. And then the other thing I'd say, and this is, you know, often overlooked, especially by first time founders is to get all of your contracts reviewed by really good lawyers. Oh, interesting. All right. So unpack that for us. Yeah. I think early on, you know, you have advisors who come on board or even co-founders, but more importantly, like co-manufacturer agreements. And no matter how good you feel the relationship is, you know, unless something is very tight in contract, you know, it can, it can cause a lot of issues in the future. And, you know, luckily nothing too bad happened with us, but we had some early contracts with, uh, you know, third party companies that I personally, early on, I was like, Oh, I'll just have a friend who's a lawyer. Look at right. it. Review it. I don't, I don't want to spend 400 Seems bucks so an hour. Right. Yeah. Like, especially when I'm bootstrapping my company, I don't right. want to throw 500 bucks review contract. And I was like, it looks good. And plus the person is really cool and I trust them. And that's the, the worst mentality you can have <laughs> right. because you know, you, you don't know someone until you you really spend a lot of time with them over the years and, and meeting, True. you know, and, and, you know, forming contracts with partners early on is just, it's always a good idea to have solid lawyers, look at it, review it and, and, um, you know, redline it for you. Well, that's, I think that's, uh, that's great advice. Um, last but not least share with our audience, uh, where they can find you guys. I know you mentioned the website, share your social stuff, et cetera. Yeah. So we sell on our website, mokufoods.com. We also sell on Amazon. We actually just recently launched um, our our beta uh, bacon uh, bit product at a restaurant uh, called Goop Kitchen in LA. Oh. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow just opened up her first restaurant, so we're cool. on a salad there. <laughs> if anyone's in LA and wants to try it, but <laughs> you want to try that, it on the salad. <laughs> yeah, other <laughs> than hilarious. that, it's uh, it's the those other two channels: our website and Amazon. That's and awesome. also check us out on Instagram, Moku Foods at Moku Foods. Yeah. I definitely did that already. Um, this has been great, Matt. It's been so great having you on the podcast. Excited for you guys. I mean, so fun to have you here early. Like, I can't imagine it, in a year even what the, the different stories you'll have to tell. So you got to come back and uh, share some of that with us. It's been so great having you on. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Justin. It's my pleasure. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.